The previous year described the amount of effort necessary, both practically, intellectually, as well as morally, religiously, type of effort a Kodesh Baruch Hu expects with regard to Talmud Torah. I quoted the Gemara in Brachos, Ein HaTorah Nikneis, Torah can only be acquired by someone who's willing to literally die on behalf of its acquisition. This is, after all, the Devar Hashem. What other pursuit could be as important as the study of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah? What type of effort, other than complete, relentless effort, can be successful in acquiring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah? But, the realities are that not everyone will be able to commit the same level of effort, of perseverance, of energy. Not everyone will be able to be mamis atzmo aleha. Built into the fabric of Talmud Torah is the broad gap between expectations and reality. The broad gap of expectations and reality in a world in which many obstacles and hurdles to Talmud Torah present themselves. Some of them are internal. Some people are more committed and driven to Talmud Torah. Some people are less committed and driven religiously to Talmud Torah. For some people, Lack of religious drive in general inhibits their performance in Talmud Torah. For some people, their religious expression is elsewhere, in other areas of Avodah Hashem, Chesed, other aspects in which HaKadosh Baruch was being served. For some people, it's an intellectual hindrance. Even though Torah is multi-layered and provides ample opportunity for study and for engagement at all levels, and it's part of what makes Talmud Torah different than Lahavdil other religious studies and other religions, is that it is really expected of every person, both clergy and layman, and it is leveled to allow interaction and interface at every level. So the beginning of Parshas Nitzavim, Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kolchem, Atem Hashem Elokechem, Ziknechem, Rakhal, Yisrael, everyone, old, young, every single person, part of that message is that everyone is expected to study HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah and to excel in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah. Unlike other religions, Lahavdil, in which, by and large, the study of religion is reserved for the clergy, for the monks, for the religious scholars, and all that is expected of the member of the religious movement it's merely performance, or not even sometimes performance, just loosely held values. Talmud Torah is incumbent upon every person. Certainly every male is obligated to study Torah. And it is also striated, layered, to allow different levels. So, for example, a very well-known medrash describing Harsinai. The Rambam describes Harsinai as a day of rain. And to the Rambam, the rain signified the delivery of divine wisdom from heaven, the dripping, as it were. But the rain was very different. It was 
different strengths and different types of rain for different people. Or as the Medrash says, the Medrash in Shmos Rabbah, based on the Pasuk in Tehillim, Kol Hashem Bakoach, Kol Hashem Behadar, the, the um, imagery of Kol Hashem, because as we know, Harsina was a day of kolos of rakim, was a day of sounds, of loud, fulminating sounds emanating from heaven. So the Medrash interprets this phrase in Tehillim as a gloss or as a reference to Harsina, kol Hashem bakoach. The Medrash says, shakol echad v'echad. Everyone received Torah based on their ability to understand Torah, to accept. In this case, the Medrash, the Medrash distinguishes between Kitanim and Zikanim, young people, Naram and Zikanim. But the message of Kol Hashem Bakoach, Bakoach Shekol Echad Yechad, reaffirms that Torah is not intellectually um, intellectually removed from the grass. Every person can acquire Torah based on the level, based on their uh, suitable dosage. But for some people, the intellectual aspect is somehow inhibiting. For some people, it's not just the internal factors, religious drive, intellectual limitation, but it's also the world we live in, the world of the world which has fallen, a world of Parnassa, a world that requires our efforts and our imprint and our redeeming uh, contributions. So whatever the story is, and each person has to render judgment to himself as to how much time they commit to Talmud Torah, the reality is that not every person will be able to commit that same ideal, so to speak, Commitment to Talmud Torah. Last week I mentioned that very famous Rashi in the beginning of the Chukotai, which extols the importance and the value of Hasmada, of Amelus and Torah, but the preface of that statement in the Medrash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mis'ave, Shiyu Amelam HaTorah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu covets or desires, and built into that coveting or desires the reality that Hashem can't command it, as much as it can be this relentless, unconditional commitment to Talmud Torah can be held up as, a, as the value, the ultimate value. It's not something that can be commanded, which is in part why the Psukim, describing learning Torah 24 hours a day, or over are not commandments in the Torah, rather descriptions in the Vim and in Suvim. So, how do we deal with this gap between reality and expectations? So, for example, the Rambam already alludes to this in his description in Hilchus Talmud Torah. In Hilchus Talmud Torah, Parak Aleph, Allah Ches. Kol ish v'ish mi'yisrael. Kol ish mi'yisrael, chayiv v'talmud Torah. Every male is chayiv in Talmud Torah putting aside the question of females' role in Talmud Torah for a moment, obviously only males have the actual commandment, Bain Ani, Bain Asher, whether he's poor, whether he's rich, Bain Shalim, Begufo, Bain Baldi Surim, whether he's healthy or ill, Bain Bachor, whether he's young, Bain Shahayazak in Gadol, Shetashash Koho, even if he's an old person who no longer possesses the strength and energy, Asilu Haya Aniha Misparnes Minatstaka, even if you're someone that's poor enough, you have to collect money from door to door, and the Ramam concludes, Afilu Bali Shaubanim, even if you're married and have children, which is a bit odd, you would expect a married person not to be the most extreme case of a Talmud Torah challenged experience. You'd expect a 
from to right, you're chayv and Talmud Torah, whether you're married or single, whether you're young or old, whether you're healthy, whether you're ill, whether you're poor, whether you're rich. The Rambam, for some reason, inverts the sequence. Everyone's chayv, rich, poor, young, old, healthy, ill, even someone who's an ani, and even, even, even someone who has a wife and children. Because sometimes we know the nature of things, that people find reasons and excuses, and, and this is an excuse that's common to all men. But each person uses it on an individual basis, assuming that they can exonerate themselves because of the realities that are not just natural, but uh, favorable and important, but still can't get in the way of Kampur, completely get in the way of Talmud Torah. Chayev l'kvah lozman l'talmud Torah b'yom v'alayla. Shinemar v'hagisabo yomam v'alayla. So the Rambam is almost working we would say an uphill battle, uphill struggle, to remind us not to allow these excuses, which are common. Everyone has, everyone is poor and rich. Not everyone is poor and rich, but they're poor people, they're rich people, they're healthy people, they're ill people, obviously young and old, the different stages of human development. Nam talks about learning at day and at night. Another Gemara, which is reminiscent of the Rambam, is a Gemara in Shabbos. Gemara in Shabbos talks about the questions a person will face when they come up to Shemayim. And one of those questions will be, after answering questions about general moral behavior and raising children, the fourth question is, actually the second question, excuse me, Kavate Itam Latara, did you set aside time for Torah study? And what's interesting about this language and this question in Shabbos, Lamed Aleph, is by being asked, did you set aside time for Torah study, it is implicit that you didn't learn all day. Kaviyas itim latara, as we call it in our language, assumes you don't have the entire day to learn, or else you won't have to set aside time. Your entire day would be Torah. In fact, they once asked Chaim Velazhin what the Seder Hayom is in the Yeshiva Velazhin. She said, the Seder Hayom, we daven at uh, whatever, 7 o'clock, we have breakfast at 7.45, 8 o'clock, we have lunch at 12 o'clock, we daven mincha at such and such a time, we have dinner at such and such a time, and they were a little surprised. They said, this is your, this is your schedule in yeshiva? So that yeshiva is for people that want to learn, not eat and daven all day. So Prime Blood said, you don't understand. We don't have a seder for learning. We learn all day as much as we can. Obviously, we have to take off time for davening and for personal hygiene, etc. But it's, a, it's no seder. In fact, in yeshiva, it's always, in, in yeshiva, it's always a question we have. Should we put a specific time stamp on night seder? The morning Seder in Yeshiva ends naturally, so to speak, at 1 o'clock. That's when lunch is. And the afternoon Seder has a natural endpoint, uh, let's say, during most of the year, Mariv, which is around 7.15, during summer dinner, then Mariv. But night Seder doesn't have a natural terminus. So on the one hand, you want to put an endpoint to let people know those are the minimal expectations. On the other hand, if you limit it by calling it into night Seder, people may not realize that you learn as much as you can. It shouldn't be something which is terminated by an uh, institutional endpoint. So this is what Rukhain Velazhin would say. We're not going to place timing and, and scheduling on Torah. Everything else needs timing. When we'll daven, when we'll eat. But Torah is learned day and night. But that's not the question that the Gemara in Brachos suggests is being asked of every person when they come to Shemayim. The question really is, with the understanding that you can't or won't spend every minute learning a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Torah, did you still set aside daily moments, as the Rambam said, Yom Valayla, day and night, to study Torah? Interesting, because there's another employment of this concept of 
keva of Tara. The language of the Gemara and Shabbos is kavata itim latara. Did you set aside time for learning Tara? Very famous statement of Shammai in Perkei Avos. Asei Tarascha Keva. should make your Torah permanent. It's hard to know whether Beit Shammai intended the same concept as the Gemara in Shabbos, that you should set aside time for studying Torah, again implying that not everyone will be able to spend every minute learning Torah, or intended something else. And the interpretation of Shammai's statement in Avaz Jivnasim, which is really the only Tanaitic interpretation we have, a very different interpretation. Now, Seteros Chakeva doesn't mean how much time you spend, but do you internalize it? Do you um, solidify your hold on the Torah? Do you, do, you try, do you try to remember it? Do you try to fulfill it? You turn it into something of permanence, not the quantity of Torah study, but as we would say, the quality or the enduring impact of Torah study upon your overall avodah Hashem. But it's very important to note that, again, that Gemara and Shabbos, Lamed Aleph, in my opinion, directly confronts this paradox. On the one end, you should be studying Torah every minute. On the other hand, for all sorts of reasons, some legitimate, some not, um, Torah is not going to be studied at that level. Not everyone's going to be able to kill themselves over Talmud Torah, to be that masmid. But the truth is, there is a pair of Gemaras and Brachos that directly address this reality, or in this case, the gap between the ideal and the performance. One is the Gemara in Brachos Dafei. Describes Rabbi Elazar, who was ill. And in this case, it seems like he wasn't just ill, but he was deathly ill. And Rabbi Yochanan visited him and Ultimately, he saw that Rabbi Elazar was crying. So Rabbi Elazar questioned, why are you crying? Are you crying because you haven't learned that much Torah or enough Torah? Shanina, we've already stated, Some learn more, some learn less, as long as a person has the right kavana, l'shem shemayim, to learn Torah, L'shem Shemai. Now, the simple reading of this Gemara would suggest that we view, as it were, we're tolerant of different levels of commitment. For some reason, some people will garner more commitment to Talmud Torah. Some people will garner less commitment. As long as, in the literal sense, the Torah is being learned for the right reasons, and in a general sense, I would say, well, doesn't just mean the Torah per se, that hour or two that you're studying Torah, you're learning it for the right reasons rather than just learning it to, for intellectual stimulation or whatever. But as long as your overall life is evaluated as one of L'Shem Shemayim and you have good reasons and good, good answers rather than lame excuses, well, I'm not learning Torah because it's too hard. That would be a lame excuse. I'm not learning Torah because I said I'm going to be a doctor and heal as many people as I can, or I'm involved in chesed, or I feel that my avodah Hashem is expressed this way, or larger issues of tikkun olam, but in a serious and sincere way, rather than just wanting to live a life of convenience and then finding answers to justify that lifestyle. We are to be tolerant of both approaches. So there's a Gemara in Menachos that seems to echo a similar sentiment. The Gemara in Menachos talks about the fact that there are different korbanos and obviously different grades of korban. 
sometimes animals, sometimes the birds, sometimes flower. In each instance, the Gemara Menachos and Daf Kuf Yud comments, in each instance, the Torah writes, Reach Nichach. Hashem is, is pleased. Each one is a carbon. Some people can afford a behemoth. Some people can afford a, a bird. Some people can afford solace, flower. As long as they have the right intentions. And this would be a parallel gemara, just like in the world of carbonos. We we wouldn't discriminate. We would not denigrate someone who can only afford a bird. And for him, that financial outlay may be more sacrificing and someone's very wealthy and can just uh, throw an issue a throwaway check on an animal. Just as we would not grade people based on their ability to afford, we wouldn't grade them based on their ability, as long as they are being serious and committed in their general assessment of their Vodas Hashem and the place of Talmatara, as long as there is some element of Talmatara. That would be the simple reading of Brachos Dathe. However, there are two ways to qualify Brachos Dathe. Say it's not what the Gemara intended. And really, 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 if you don't learn all day, or you don't learn as much as you possibly can, there is no excuse. One is to say that, after all, Yochanan was just looking to provide solace for her Belazah. Yochanan wasn't issuing a statement that may have been reflective of a general perspective. He was just sure Belazah was in a bad state. And wanted to uh, calm his concerns. So he assured him that you did your best. But it doesn't mean that we would issue a prospective validation of a lifestyle in which Tamatara is diluted. The second limitation on this Gemara seems a bit more of a stretch, but has a precedent in a safer known as the Orzarua. The Orzarua of a Yitzchak of Vienna, a 13th century uh, medieval commentator on Halacha and Gemara, cannot accept this seeming statement of equality, that some learn more and some learn less. What he feels is that the statement, Echad Hamarbe, the Echad Hamamit, refers to the following, two people, each who put forth the same effort, each of whom killed themselves over Talmud Torah, each of whom learned every possible moment, but just one was more intellectually gifted and one less. So, the one who was more gifted just acquired more Torah with that investment, whereas the one who was less gifted acquired less. So here, Rabbi Yochanan was consoling Rabbi Lazar, you may feel you've acquired less. Seems to be strange. Presumably Rabbi Lazar was very talented. So whatever outlay he made probably would have paid great dividends and would have led to great acquisition of Torah. But this is going to the Erzeruah. Rabbi Yochanan's name was, oh, don't worry if you haven't accomplished all of your interest in Torah, as long as you tried with maximal effort, which is obviously something that everyone agrees with, right? No one would say a person who acquired more Torah. Actually, it's an interesting question, but we certainly, at an at instinctive level, we would, at least morally, we would equate two people of equal effort, even though one acquired more. So at least morally, if the Vilna Gone learn 24 hours a day, and someone else who's less talented than Villagon learn 24 hours a day, and Villagon just accomplished that much more because of his uh, abilities, at least morally. We don't know what happens in Shemayim, but at least morally we'd view the two the same. And that was what Rabbi Yochanan was telling Rabbi Lazar, but what's important was he was not telling him, oh, don't worry, we take a kind view of people, regardless of how much they learn, as long as their interests are the same Shemayim. 
So the Gemara and Brachos would seem to acknowledge and even tolerate different levels of commitments, but there are ways to qualify and redirect the Gemara to say that it wasn't a statement reflective of Rabbi Yochanan's overall stance, but rather something offered to console Rabbi Lazar. Alternatively, he was not referring to outlay as much as to intellectual achievement. But the truth is, if we take a look at another Gemara, it seems that this Gemara, this parallel Gemara in Brachos, may be, may be voicing the more universal tolerance towards two different approaches. Recognition. Tolerance is a hard word, but it's recognition. Gemara in Brachos, from Daf Yud Zayin. The scholars in Yavna would always issue this statement. It would be a pearl in their mouth, which is a metaphor for something they would always say, a statement of wisdom they would always utter. So first of all, we're not in the context of someone dying in which he has to be fed some consolation. This is a statement, a credo, that they lived by. Listen to the text and to the, and to the style. I need Beria the Chaveri Beria. I am a creature of God and my soul is my friend. So right off the bat, there's recognition of differences and diversity, but of equality. I work in the city. And of course, the I is self-referring, so self-referential. It's talking about a Tamil Chacham. I work in the city. I'm in the base medrash, and he works in the field. He's a worker. I get up early for my work. Right? Person, sometimes people that are B'nai Torah, take, take uh, luxuries, take leniencies. Oh, we can get up a little bit later. But sometimes it's a little bit offensive. person who learns Torah, oh, can get up later. Someone who has to work in a non-Torah profession, oh, so that person has to get up at 6 in the morning. So it's important for a B'nai Torah to make sure they get up early also so that people get that sense that everyone's working as hard. One of the areas of Israel today, obviously there are very, very severe differences of opinion about the Haredi approach to defer or to eliminate serving in the army for the sake of studying Torah all day. And much of the <coughs> much of the argument is fundamental. Is that the best way to serve a Kodesh Baruch Is that what I'm Yisrael needs, etc.? But many people are concerned, well, it would be one thing if in that world every single army deferrer would be putting forth maximal effort and getting up as early as possible, uh, same way that people who serve in the army don't sleep more than six, seven hours, six hours and are really working hard, and those people would be learning with the same gusto, with the same energy. Many, not everyone, but many people feel that would be something which is more tolerated, tolerable. But sometimes people feel that in that culture, generally when you're not expected to be at a certain time in a certain place, the indolence sets in and lukewarm commitment and then as people would say, so you've deferred army service for a lukewarm commitment to Talmud Torah, you're really coming out losing on both ends. So in this statement in Brachot, I get up and he gets up. Just like he doesn't, this guy there, he's not, uh, he has his comfort and confidence that he's doing the right thing. I want to do his work, I do my work, he does his work. Maybe you'll say, oh, because I'm in the base medish, I'm a big tzaddik, I'm learning a lot, but he's uh, lesser, because he's only working the field, he only learns less. So the Gemara concludes, Shaninu, with the same statement. It's a lot harder to qualify this Gemara 
what is the qualification? Obviously, this isn't contextual. This is a general statement, a universal statement. And more importantly, it doesn't seem to be stated in the tone of the Arzarua. It's not as if we're equating two people in the base matters. One is a Vilna Gaon and one is a grade B. Seems like there are two lifestyles on display. One lifestyle of absolute unconditional commitment to Talmudar and one lifestyle a person in the field is involved in healthy and religiously meaningful activities, raising his family, changing the world, helping others, etc., and then has a certain healthy allocation for Talmudar. It would seem that way. And it would seem, hence, that there's a toleration of both approaches and an equality. An Iberia Bechaveri Iberia. So the point is, it's hard to pin Chazal down. And I don't think Chazal can be pinned down on an issue that's so nebulous, it's so difficult, because on the one hand, you're right, it's Devar Hashem, and how could Devar Hashem, how could Devar Hashem not elicit that type of relentless and unconditional effort? On the other hand, the realities of life, they're good people who lead healthy and meaningful religious lives who aren't able. As long as in the overall equation and calculus, there's an accounting, not just that the Torah is L'Shem Shemayim, but the overall Libo, and every act is scrutinized and gauged. Is it L'shem Shemayim? There's another interesting Gemara in Menachos. This kind of Sadiq test, which I think provides a different angle to this uneasiness, to this almost dilemma, we could call it. The simple reading of the Pasuk in Yahushua, you should learn every minute. But the Gemara redirects it. Afilo Shana Adam Based on the discussion in Menachos, the Gemara feels that Layamash doesn't mean every minute in a continual, non-ceasing fashion, but means you can't let Tara slip out of your mouth. Layamash, don't let it slip. She means every day and every night, reminiscent of the Rambam day and night, every day and every night you should be learning Tara. But in this case, the Gemara says, as long as the Gemara says, you've read one parak in the morning and one parak at night. Well, it doesn't say which parak, but it's obvious what prakim the Gemara is referring to. And the Gemara then elaborates. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Mishrim Rabbi Shimon ben Yuhai, Afilo Kar Adam Elakriyashma, Shachris Viarvis. Even if you've only read Kriyashma, it's not even learning a, a parak in Gemara or a daf in Gemara, it's just reciting Kriyashma. You have fulfilled Moyamish. This is a drasha which greatly, greatly stretches the literal reading of the Pasuk, Moyamish. Now what's interesting is not just the way the Gemara stretches it, but the two post-comments about this stretch. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Davar Amra Though it may be true, it's not wise, it's even forbidden to promulgate, to publicize this reality. For obvious reasons. You'll lower the bar, and everyone will feel that studying, or not even studying, but reciting Kriyashma morning and evening is sufficient. So this approach has a built-in sense of layers. Ideally, everyone should be studying, but there's a reality, and not only will that reality be acknowledged and even tolerated, but it'll even be reflective of the Pasuk and Yahshua, Loyalish. Of course, it shouldn't be disseminated, because any time you create layers, you always lower the bar. 
So layers and levels are always great because they accommodate human human nature, but they also dilute it. They also reduce aspiration and ambition. But then the Gemara quotes another opinion. This is the opinion of an Amara Rava. This is not a minority Amara. This is one of the dominant Amaraim. The Rava Amar Mitzvah Li Amra Bifnei Amaretz. It's not forbidden to describe this to Amaretz, but it's actually a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah because people who aren't able to, I mean, it's a mitzvah, I guess, on practical reasons, because maybe people who aren't able to learn at all, or even able to learn significantly, but they should at least be learning a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night, whether it's Kriya Shema or anything else. But I don't think it's just practical. It's also how people see themselves. Let's say there's someone who is learning a little bit, or is at least reciting Kriya Shema as best as they can. Should they feel included? Should they feel they're doing something great and they're fulfilling the mitzvah of Talmud Torah? Should they feel like an outcast and like a, a failure? So I think the mitzvah is not just to encourage performance, but the mitzvah is to is to encourage inclusion, membership, feeling, certain perspective, self-perspective. And I think this Gemara Menachos captures the innate dilemma. We cannot, we cannot reduce the bar of Talmud Torah. We cannot as individuals, we cannot as a community. We have to aim literally for the heavens. Moshe informs Amisel, Lo Bashamayim He. And then the Chazal interpreter, Filu Bashamayim, even if it were in the heavens, you'd have to find a way to get it. This is Hashem's Ratzel. And we can't flinch in our effort to acquire it as best as we can. Alternatively, we can create a reality that does not embrace and ratify all different levels and layers of effort. And in Chazal, both in the Gemara and Brachos, and in the Arthur's response, and in this interesting machlokus between Rishim Bayochai and Rava, should we publicize, should we not publicize it? You have this question being, being sculpted, this dilemma being played out. Ultimately, remains a dilemma. And in some worlds, the ideal of Talmatara and only Talmatara is highlighted unconditionally. One could claim in the yeshiva shevelt, as people would say, unconditionally. But then there's a feeling if you're not learning, there's very little hope for you. You're not really involved in that much of, of importance. And that can lead to some very, very um, ugly, ugly situations. And really, situations that are not reflective of an embracing policy of Avodah Hashem, but on the other hand, the advantage is those who, as you would say, buy into the program, have their bars set very high. And then there are other worlds in which the bar isn't always set high, and we take a very tolerant and flaccid approach. Oh, well, everyone finds their way and their approach and their meaning in Avodah Hashem, but then look what happens to Talmud Torah. The ethic of Talmud Torah becomes eroded and uh, completely disfigured barely identifiable. And as people and as communities, we have to be able to strike that balanced chord where we set the bar high for Talmatara, exceedingly high, but we also allow it. It's an impossible feat. But as some of my earlier shirim suggested, Tara really is impossible. We're not wrestling with something of human proportion. It's going to tax our imagination as human beings and our policies as human beings and our approaches as human beings it's going to be an inner dilemma.